Number 203. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by TractorZoom Delivering Insights. Make sure you check out TractorZoom, Iron Comps, and all the good products they have over there where you can get all the latest auction data at your fingertips. So, just like normal, I got Aaron Finnell back here with me, and we are going to talk about all the cool stuff in the market business. How you been, buddy? Good. I'm good. You know, you forgot to mention, I'm sitting here heartbroken, almost in tears. So. We're recording. Oh, that's right. At the worldwide headquarters yep. of Open Skies Farms. Yep. That's uh that's no no kidding. It is it is Open Skies Studios faux show. I mean like we're like full on effect here. So I'm uh full on dining room table. It is. Sheep I, to the right, yeah. Threshing machine to the left. Yep, that's an, I know that's an odd combination, I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> it's heavily ag involved, I yeah, feel. It is. It is that. Also Aaron and I are also uh also sipping on the scissorp. Scissor, and uh, so we're, it's the first time that we've uh, really sat down at the Open Skies Farms and enjoyed an evening together to kind of talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So it is. We we've tried numerous times, but schedules are schedules are hell sometimes. It's, it's never man. it's never good. I want to give a shout out to Opie for Iowa. You gave me a follow right before we started uh, recording here, so thank you very much for following me. And uh, don't give up on me, brother. I keep sending some good stuff. You can uh, see what's going on out there in the marketplace. So, Aaron, we've talked about a million things on this podcast. A lot of different stuff has come up. And one of the biggest things that we talked about before we got started here was how absolutely hot the market is right now. Correct. The the marketplace as a whole is just really kind of in – it's, I don't know if tailspin is the right word because that's not true because that's bad, but it's like the opposite of a tailspin. Right. It's like a, a I guess, a, a, a propeller spin. An upward. That'd be the opposite, It's an right? upward vortex, if you will. Okay, I will. Yeah, How about will. that? And I will. <clears throat> so, and you did. I did. So I guess as you take a look at what's going on right now in the marketplace, if you are in the market to buy something and you found the piece that you want to buy, what's your advice to that buyer right now? Buy it right damn now. Yes. Things are, I just, okay, what are we, the 15th? Today is we've, the we've 15th had, We've had two full business weeks in January. Yeah. And I have had three guys who have called about stuff and wanted it, or they reached out on Twitter. Hey, I see stock number such and such. What can we get done on that? Map it all out. Here's what it is. Okay, I'll let you know tomorrow. That might have been at 9 o'clock in the morning. And by the time I shut the computer off that night, it was gone. Right. Three times. Yep. In 15 business days. Or 15 total days, right. but 10 business days. Yep. Except 15 business days if you care about your job. But anyway, that is... The market is... I shouldn't say scorching. It really depends what you're looking at, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're looking at a older planner, there's there's not a lot of urgency there. 
there's a lot of hashtag precision donor activity going on right now. Hashtag born that way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag opposite of born that way. If it's a precision donor. But anyway, if you're interested at all in tractors, buy it now. If you are interested in high-tech planners, buy it now. Um, An 8R that was built in the last three years, buy it now. Yeah, buy it now. Absolutely. A combine built in the last two years with less than 500 separator hours on it. I would say even less than a thousand. A thousand separate hours. If you if you if you take combines back to sixteen. Okay, okay, all right. So not not the last two years, but right, right. you take the last two of S seven hundred or right. the the last two years, which were S seven hundred. The two right. years before that, which were S six hundred. Right. Regardless of size, under a thousand set. I'm not going to say it, but the market isn't trash. I'm not not going to say any more than that, but it's not trash right now. Right. The uh, the need for late model, low hour equipment is is filling the big void right now because every manufacturer across the spectrum, I don't care who it is, freaking Troy built is is struggling to get tillers out. They are. You know what I mean? They are. So it's there's so much demand right now to get that to update that. That piece of equipment, because there's a lot of pent-up demand out there, man. Guys there been, is. Guys have been sitting on this stuff for five to seven years, keeping it running, doing what they need to do to make things happen. And now they're looking at upgrading that piece of equipment, and uh, obviously it's the right time to do it, right? I mean, there's... there's oh, absolutely. But, but there's the lack of that 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 pool of equipment they want to build up to. It's, it's just, it's a small, it's a very shallow pool. Far more supply than demand, just like the crops they're selling. Hey, that's nice. I like that. That's good. There you go. Yeah. Same thing. Crops are worth more. Doesn't make machinery worth more, but it makes machinery sellable. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's the difference. It's not a yard full of windbreaks. Yep. Now, and with, interest rates too. Or yeah. Where they are. Interest yeah. rates are yeah. super attractive. Yeah. So you combine combine all that together. Yeah, that's nice. There like you that. go. That's good. Yeah. You combine all that together. Yeah. And it makes for a very hot market. Yep. Now, as Casey said, a lot of the manufacturers are backlogged. I know two of them are basically out of tractors for 21. All the farmers have been patching things together as long as they could, getting by as best they could so they can see next year, so they can see tomorrow. So there's going to be that influx, which we talked about last week, right. that influx of that 12 to 14 stuff. Yeah. And a quick shout out to David Orr, who reached out about that topic. He texted me last week or this week. The The influx of that stuff is going to happen because there's going to be, there's only so much new that's going to get built. And it's basically done for the year, and we're in January. We're in the middle of the month. So the late model, low-houred used, late and low, Casey's favorite thing. Late and low. Late and low is going to get pretty popular, which is funny because if you go, say we turn the clock back, what, two years? Two years. Late and low was popular, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the catch-all. No. Because you could get new if you wanted new. Right. There was a bigger gap then because of commodity prices, just like what we talked about with Echoes of the Past a couple weeks ago. One ninety nine. 
you you have this period that we just experienced where if you can afford new, you could get new. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't afford new, you probably weren't after the 300-hour tractor. You were probably after the 1,000-hour tractor. Right. We just came out of a period where the 1,000 to 3,000 was the most popular tractor you could have, regardless of size, regardless of color. Exactly. All of that. Yep. So now we're, we're into a world where late and low is going to have to fill a lot of holes where new can't be had. Yep. So that's going to ramp up. The other stuff is going to ramp up because as you go down the gross farm income spectrum, if you will, you get to those lower guys and they might want to bypass the 3,000. Right. And they want 500. Yeah, 500, yeah. So that's, this that's so, kind of where we're at. So really, this is no different than what we saw happen in 2009, 2010, 2011 when the, that, that draw to get something different than the, you know, the guy that had a 50 series combine that time. I remember guys jumping from a 9600 to a 9770. Yep. An 8400 to an 8430. Right. Right. So, I mean, and it was, they didn't think twice about it. Like, we're just, oh, we're just going to just take care of this now. So, I think as you take a look at. Well, and you have scenario, real quick, day. real quick on that topic case, not same to interrupt. Search. That guy's the guy with eighty four hundred. His cash flow is probably to trade every five years yeah. for that ten year old tractor. Right. Okay. Yep. He missed, and and that's just what we're saying. Yeah. He might have last year been close on that eighty four ten. That's right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. And whew, didn't give that a second thought. Didn't even think about a twenty series. Went straight to the thirty. Late and low or new, and away we go. So, so I just need us to say, if you are in the market for a piece of equipment right now, if you find the piece of equipment that you that you want, don't hesitate. Make that deal. Work your work it out. Figure it out what you need to do. Get that piece of equipment bought because it probably won't be there tomorrow. Now, one thing I will interject quick. All right, we're both equipment guys. Right. So this is not a message to convey like you better buy this right now right. to the farmers that listen because we know we have a lot of farmer listeners and love that. Love it. But it is just to if if you think you do want that tractor, act quickly. Right. That's it. That's this is, it's, it's a public service address. Right. <laughs> this is this is experience talking to you right here. This is what we experience all the time. You see these things happen. So if you're looking for something and you found out what you want. Start pulling triggers, or, or or start quickly going in that direction to pull those triggers to get things right. Get things wrapped up. So. If if any, and it's on to your dealer personnel right. to get you the information you need quickly. Right. If you want to see past work orders, boom, here you go. Get it. Yep. Any dealer can trace it customer to customer to customer. Get you what you can, and have at her. Exactly right. So there's enough information out there. On any piece of equipment that you want to buy, to paint the picture of is this a good piece of equipment or not? Right. There's tons of information, so we, it's kind of like there is a Carfax for for farm equipment. It's called your dealer, so they they've got a pretty good pretty good spectrum that they can pull from to get the information that you need. So take advantage of that. Take advantage of these interest rates and take advantage of the marketplace today and not in June. 
it's going to be a completely different marketplace. So, And if you don't have a local dealer you feel comfortable with asking random questions like that, come to me. I'll help you out. Yep. Give Aaron, give Aaron Finn a call. He'll, he'll take care of you. All right. So we talk about technology a lot on here, Aaron. Yeah. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Everybody yeah. probably by now has the bet memorized. <clears throat> Pretty much, yeah. On the topic of that bet, yeah. a shout-out to my buddy Dave Mao Dave at Fresno Equipment out in California. Yep. He listens to the podcast quite a bit. He emailed me a picture of a fully autonomous orchard sprayer. Yep. Orchard, grove, however you want to call it. Super cool. It was cool. It was very cool. Yeah. It looked like a... Like some kind of like like it like the guy that made Killdozer. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made that sprayer. Yep. But it put a tank in the middle. Yep. Super exactly. cool. Yep. So appreciate that, Dave. Thanks for thanks for sending that picture. So if I lived in California and we made this bet, out of one. If we if we lived in California yeah. and we both worked at Fresno, okay, we would win. I get you. I because that was literally yeah, you would you would yeah. win. Because that was literally a trade-in that Dave had at his dealership. So that's awesome. Very so, cool. So technically, I won. No. Through osmosis through Dave. <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's not how it works. Through osmosis through Dave. high five. I'm high-fiving you right now, Dave. So got no, it. no osmosis. <clears throat> got it. All right, buddy. I'm going to save that $20 of lunch. <laughs> one way or another. So... The one one machinery piece of machinery that we talk about on on the podcast from time to time, not nearly as much as we should, are sprayers. Right, right. And the thing about sprayers is that, for what they are, there there's a lot of technology on sprayers. Oh yeah, a lot of technology. Tremendously. So if you take a look at what we have to offer as far as technology and sprayers, you've got they're really one of the first machines out there to really. Grab a hold of the whole, um, oh, like the RTK guidance lines. I mean, that was one of the first kind of ideas yeah. to come along with that because it made a lot of sense. Like, oh, you don't have to put the foam marker down. Now we can just we can paint the field and right. not over overlap spraying. Sprayer sprayers were kind of the invention of light bar, which is right. where guidance all came from. Right. Yep. So that kind of that kind of opened that up. And I remember early in my career. The the uh, idea of having a sprayer with guidance and foam markers that was that was a standard thing, right? Right. You always put the foam markers on there. Now I don't know if you can even get foam markers on a sprayer now, can you? If you ordered a brand new one, I don't know about brand new one. I know on a thirty series you could. I would. You have to be able to. I don't think because man, man, there's gonna be there's just gotta be times where it ain't gonna work. But you gotta spray. I don't know. I I. I I don't know. I have to go back through the book and look and see, but I don't know if you can get foam markers or not. Maybe you can. I don't know. But I was thinking about that on the way up here. I was like, man, sprayers and foam markers, and I don't know that I've seen a foam marker on a sprayer for a long, long time. Quite a long time. Yeah. So that's something there. And then you start looking at, as as, as uh, GPS guidance got to be a bigger and bigger part of uh, the sprayer business and what that looked like, now we're kind of graduated into different spray mechanisms to give you more accurate spray of more consistent uh, to the point delivery delivery of, of chemical and and fertilizer and those right things, right yep. so so you have like the John Deere exact apply system and you have the the case uh, aim command system right um, both those systems do 
various different things, and they, they both work in in conjunction with, with making sure that you're applying the right amount of whatever it is that you're spraying to the right part area that you're spraying to. Right, right. right. Okay. So, like, like on exact apply, for instance, these pulse width modulation and the... the pulse width modulation? Look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the turret has two solenoids on it. Yeah. Which are constantly running like a to give you the best pattern possible on your target, right? Instead of just blowing out there constant, you know, fan or air induction tip, whatever, whatever you're running, that exact apply with that pulse width modulation running those solenoids is quite frankly, applying in a more exact manner than if you're just out there fogging it on. So you think that's why they call it exact apply? <gasps> that could be Look it. Look at this. The dots have been connected, folks. Woo! <clears throat> so, I mean, I think as I take a look at the future, when I'm looking at sprayers right now, so he's got, there's still a lot of 30-series sprayers out there, 20-series sprayers, 10-series sprayers, odd-series sprayers. you got a lot of different um, older case sprayers out there where this technology is not on, right? Mm-hmm. So as you take a look at those particular machines, when you're looking at like a, let's take a, let's take a look at that, that spray that was built in 2006 to like 2012, right? That sweet spot of the first, the first big run, right? Right. 2006 was the lead up where everything kind of started to turn and 2012 was kind of the high water mark, right? Yep. And as you take a look at those machines and what's going through there right now, today's marketplace, so we're talking about a 14-year-old sprayer to a 8-year-old sprayer in that range. What are some of the things that you have customers that are either trading in or trading up to something different that have that particular sprayer? What is it that they're looking to do with? What, what are they looking to trade up to? Is it hours? Is it some technology? What is it that you have, guys, when you have those conversations? T- typically, the, big, the biggest things that come up is technology options. Mm-hmm. Um what they have will go spray and effectively kill whatever they're trying to kill. Right. So the biggest thing guys are after is a more complete total technology offering in one package. If you go back to the 20 series, which is what we're starting on with your discussion, if you wanted auto boom height, that had to be NORAC add-on after the fact. Right, yeah. Okay? Yep. Then you get the 30 series, you get your boom track. You right. got three sensors, five sensors, whatever you ordered it with. And still have stuff like boom track today, but you get, which is why we mentioned exact apply and aim command, is that is a entirely new product offering that is only on the current sprayers. The the more current series of deer cases had that around for at least two series, I believe. Now that so if you have a guy with a you know an SPX thirty one eighty five or a forty seven twenty, and he's wanting to upgrade and. He's got bins full of the $5 corn, not the $3.80 right. corn that he thought was right. worth a hell of a lot of money in August. Right. If if that guy's wanting to trade 
and he hit a lick and punched his ticket, he's going to get all the way up to that R. Well, the biggest thing, even over that 20 that you can offer him, you know, is the exact emerge. Also, you have extra models now. That's true. Yeah. Plus, yeah. you have a completely redesigned, just talking green now, Patriot has been the same configuration for a long time, works for them, a boy. When the R's came out, it was always the 4920, 4930 that were kind of what I would call the truly cab way forward design. Mm-hmm. Like you feel right. like you're sitting ahead of the front axle. Mm-hmm. Kind of the the Patriot design, if right. you will. And I will. And as the R's came out, they're all that way. Right. Except, or, yeah. The, the R's are all that way. So you get to offer him, if, say, the 4720 guy, he wants better balance, he wants better ride, he wants as much technology as he can get, boom, there you go. He's in a R4038 or R4030, exact apply, can't believe it's even still a sprayer, Right, that different. You go up to the next guy who has that, you know, super late model 4830, mm-hmm. he bought a 4830 over a 47 for the capacity, right? And he loves it when it's dry. He hates it when it's wet. So you get him into a 4038 to keep him the same size, better weight distribution, way better technology. Or you get him into a 4044 and get more capacity than he had, but balanced as best as you can possibly balance 1,200 gallons. Exactly. Or you can look at that. There's about three different options you can put on that particular sprayer. Right? You can go 1,200,000, I think 800, right? I, bo- I think 1,012, I believe. I thought there was one more. But anyway, nonetheless, the, 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 the direction that, that sprayers are headed is, in my opinion, will be a. That will be where I, where I think autonomy comes into play first. Full blown autonomy, moreover than what you see in a, in, a, in, a, in a typical tractor. That would make sense due to two things <clears throat> the emergence of sea and spray technology, yep. which is already autonomy. Pretty much. It's running the sprayer, the liquid system autonomy, autonomously. Autonomously. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Third time's a charm. Get all those subfixes in there. Yeah. <laughs> Pronouns and adverbs and whatnot. <laughs> so you have you that is a fully autonomous application right. happening. Okay. Plus, what do we know? Thanks to Dave, there already is fully autonomous sprayers in a different market segment. Yep. Different kind of application. Completely different. Right. You're going down versus up. Right. Or down versus out, down up versus top down. Right, yep. right, yep, yep. Yeah. So there, there's plenty of technology in sprayers, and I, I really see sprayers making that leap a lot faster to where they become probably one of the more, from a technology standpoint and from an efficiency standpoint, one of the most 
sought after things on the farm next to your planter in in the long run just because of what they're going to be able to do as far as savings go, right? Right. Right. So you can start taking a look at some of this, like seed spray, for example. Seed spray gives you the ability to say it differentiates brown from green, right? So if it sees something green on the ground, it sprays it, right? And it doesn't spray the brown. So if you're going out trying to burn down your, your winter fallow after you, before you go and do your field work and those kind of things, it's going to go through there and hit that up to the size of, I think, a quarter. Right. Down, or down to the size of a quarter. So you start thinking about that, you know, there's a lot of different this, different aspects out there. The Blue River technology that's out there right now, where they're trying to, to do use AI to see the difference between, like, pigtail and mare's hemp and water hemp and all these different things that are out there, differentiating those different kinds of of, uh, of, of, of plant, species. Plants, plant species out there and then applying the, the right amount of chemical to each one of those plants based on their... You know what? What they know to be to be true about each one of those plants, right? Is it is it deal. a four inch mare's tail or right. is it a an eight inch mare's tail? Right. Big right. difference. Big difference. In what it is. So we start looking at that. I mean, I've seen anything from I've seen studies where they've saved up to one hundred sixty grand on some of the stuff. Right. You know, and I've seen where they're they've talked about reduction of chemical costs up into the the ninety percent range. Right. So that just tells me chemical prices are going to go up 90%. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's so. an opportunity to everybody to get mad at someone other than the iron dealer. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I guess what I'm, the point I'm making is the leaps that they've made in, manufacturers have made in planter technology. Right. Has done a lot to reduce the amount of seed that you plant, the, the spacing, the different variations of, you know, we're getting real close to multiple variations of, of seed inside the same planter across the same field. That that technology is just around the corner. It's being tested. A lot of people are, I mean, it's right on the cusp of really taking off. And then you start looking at applying fertilizer, applying pesticides and herbicides and those kind of things. All of a sudden, now you're starting to look at some really, 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 really high efficiencies based around what we see in the technology world. And quite frankly, I'm... I'm super excited about it because I think it's one of those things that are that's going to completely revolutionize the way we do business and the way the customer does business with us. Well, and not only that, but we we have heard from a test machine where it, you take that sea and spray technology, which takes exact apply to work. Right. We've heard of of ASPs having an actual application fee and an as-applied fee. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's a big You want us to drive over everything, it's six bucks. Right. Every time, and then the monitor is going to keep track of every time those solenoids go off. Of how many actual acres we sprayed. Yep. And then you'll have a data of the actual acres sprayed. Right. Which, if they're running the machine, example that we heard the other day was like, seven bucks an acre to drive the machine over mm-hmm. using sea and spray it was an extra two bucks and the idea and, there- and think of that as you go out and say you have a perfectly square quarter right. pivot or dry land doesn't matter but you have a perfectly square quarter and you have some kind of weed weed killer applied okay right. yep. you're gonna go out there with a, a knock out a bunch of broad leaves in the corn 
they're going to charge you for 160 acres. Right. It might only be the eight bucks, something like that, right? But you're paying that over everything. Whereas if you went with the six, seven bucks an acre, right. your as applied was only 10 acres. Right. And, <clears throat> and to kind of preface that a little bit, I mean, they're using the sea and spray technology in reverse, right? So right. Top, top dressing wheat, for example, sea and spray differentiates between the green and the brown. So you want to top dress the green, but not the brown. So as you're going across that field, all of a sudden you realize like, oh, there's a big blowout. There's a big blowout right here. Right or there's a water stand in the field or something like that, which I don't think we're gonna have a problem with that this year. No, any water stand. No water stand. <clears throat> but you know, those that's the kind of technology where you can go out there and, and do that, and then we really dial that in to where it knows the difference between mare's tail and and a, a water hemp, water hemp or something like that, or a standing emerged corn crop, and it's and it's going to hit each one of those individual plants versus. Just broadcast because it's green, right? Then you really, then man, then you really got something. Exactly, you know, and you really, you really. Once uh, they can differentiate plant species, mm-hmm. that's when you'll really see it take off. You're really standing in high cotton at that. High point. cotton. That's right. All right. Good enough. All right. Well, I feel like we've kind of banged that one out. Anything I think so. Throw out that one. I think so. Okay. Well, so let's talk about. The Aaron Fento 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 deal 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 of the week. Woo! Well, we just spent about twenty minutes or so talking about sprayers. So let's offer a sprayer up. That's a good idea for the special. That's a great segue. How about that segue? That's nice. Woo! Back to you, Chip. Looks like we're playing T-ball tonight, folks. Today's special, or the, excuse me, this week's moving iron special. We have a 2016 John Deere R4045, the big boy. It has 2,150 hours on it. Just broke in. Just broke in. 120-foot boom, auto track activation, section control, premium cab. It's got the three IF380 tires on it for row crop, 120-foot boom, 15-inch spacing, auto boom level. Wheel slip, boom air purge, LED lights. It's got all the goodies on it, buddy. That's got to be, what, 400000 You would think so. You would. I would think so, yeah. But I tell you what, we'll just slash her right in half. Uh-huh. $200,000. Shut your mouth. <laughs> $200,000 on that sprayer. Checked out in the shop, ready to go apply. Outstanding. And low-rate financing on top of that. That, my friend is awesome good job that's a deal all right i feel like that's a deal so way up here i'm a kid of the, i'm a i'm a child of the 90s right and i was i was really into the uh the grunge rock and and the metal oh yeah not just the metal jeremy spoke in class today yeah he did and uh seemed a harmless little f- <laughs> 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 yeah so give me your, give me what's your throwback iron moment that you can think back. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this off of the machinery business for okay. a minute. Let's do it. And we're gonna focus on the American tradition in no other country except Canada, but they're like stepbrothers. No other country 
is the pickup truck is loved as it is in America. Agreed. Agreed. People drive them for cars. Yeah. It's a family wagon. It is. It's a family wagon. Yeah. The greatest... Excuse me, I take that back. We can't... I have a hard time labeling anything the greatest when we talk about pickups. One of the greatest pickups, and this popped into my head as I'm hunting for my 14-year-old son, his first pickup. One of the greatest pickups ever made, and it comes in right at the end of... And greatest not because I love it, just because it really changed pickups. The late 80s Toyota Dually pickup? Uh, no, but okay. that that is that is that does make you grin when you see one. That's about it. it just like makes a, you grin. It's like a, it's like a stocky small person. You know? Come, come <laughs> that that is accurate. <laughs> Coming at the end of the hair, of the uh, throwback iron era. Okay, nineteen ninety four. Okay, a pickup came out that revolutionized. They were almost completely dead as a car company. Oh, the Dodge pickup. They reinvented yeah. their pickup completely. So much so that they had they got they got shown on a very popular TV show at the time. Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> yeah. There you have it. Yep. There's a reason that Walker, the Texas Ranger, drove a Dodge Ram. Right. I remember when I was a kid growing up, nobody wanted a Dodge pickup unless they needed to tow a trailer. Right. That that was the first. I remember when was that? When did they put the Cummins engine? It was like eighty nine, eighty nine, eighty eight. I remember my dad going like, "Can you believe they put an actual semi motor <laughs> in the size of a pickup? That's a Cummins engine." <laughs> of course, I was like, "Wow, a semi engine in a truck? Good job, Dodge marketing. <laughs> how do the, how do the back wheels stay on the ground?" <laughs> so uh. I worked growing up. If you go back and listen to. Uh, Throwback on an episode. I worked at a uh, marina growing up, and the marina had several larger boats that would tow around. And the thing about the boat industry that have always shocked me is that did we did we move to Ontario? No. Okay, I just wondered because it sounded like you said boot. <laughs> quite a few large boots <laughs> and had <that of> boots. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that there would be a. Uh, I think they had a, because this was 1993-ish when I worked there. So an old square Dodge Cummins? And, but it was like an 89 or yeah. 90, right? right. <clears throat> and it was the old school one, and it had, uh, I think it, whatever, manual transmission, five-speed transmission. Right, five-speed. Five-speed, maybe overdrive, maybe, or four and overdrive? Four and over, yeah. Okay. That thing would pull freaking houseboats out of the water right it was awesome and this guy i can't remember the guy's name i think for whatever reason i want to say his name was frank but that's not right but this guy was if you've ever watched a mob movie it was him he was the guy like the 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 big fat mob guy slick back hair slick back hair leather overcoat yep olive (laughs) olive skin and he had always had a cigar in his mouth and he would tell the most filthy jokes he could ever tell. And as a 14-year-old kid, I <laughs> thought they were hilarious. <laughs> right. This is the coolest guy in America. <laughs> You're right. right. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so we were going on a trip someplace to take these boats over to a boat show in Wichita. And it was you know, a little day trip thing. And we were hauling over there. And I remember that the boat that we were pulling was so big that we had 
to pull into this place you're pulling into, he had to pull in, like go out super wide, swing out super wide, come back in, kind of bring it in, bring it into the mix. And then as he started to back up, get to a certain place, he had to back back up so he could get the, the fifth wheel. Right. The gooseneck part of the trailer. Super cocked in there so he could pull forward a little bit and then <laughs> get in there. And I remember telling myself, like, El Dorado Lake is, is it's a... I want to say it's like a 5,000-acre lake, 5,000 surface acres maybe. I, mean, okay. I might be telling you wrong here, but it's it's not a small piece of water, but it's not big enough for a boat that size. Right. Okay? This is something you should have in the ocean. Right. And, of course, somebody wanted to go, see how big my boat is? <laughs> and <laughs> that's what that boat was. So it was, go. it was a good time. So that's my... That's Cigar, my, leather, my, and gel, all included. And he had a single cab... 1990 white Dodge with red interior. Oh, it was his pickup that you yeah. drove. Yeah, it was super nice. sweet. It was it was awesome. That and is tits. So yeah, you know what? That that's another thing. Like, it, and the reason I mentioned Dodge is because you look at the the throwback era, mm-hmm. and Dodge was like you had Chevy GMC Ford mm-hmm. all ugh, tied for number one or whatever. Ford people. And then you had like, well, I guess we could get like a Toyota or a Nissan. And then you had like, oh, that's right. Dodge is still in business. Right. Yep. Meanwhile, they had this awesome pickup that nobody cared about because it was the same pickup since 1993 as it was in 73. Right. It had a different hood and a fancier cab right. inside, but it's the same pickup. And and they come out with this thing. The biggest thing I've never gathered from that from the '94 Dodge pickup, they styled it after a Kenworth. I'm like, I don't get that. Right. I really don't. I never saw that myself. But if you think about it, what they're getting at, I figured it out years later. On a semi, the whole. Hood tilts forward, hood fenders everything. What they're getting at, <coughs> excuse me, on that Dodge pickup is the fenders aren't part of the hood. Okay, oh, that's okay. what they're yeah, getting. Yeah. At. All right, I get it. Now. It's yeah. not just a square front clip. Yep. It's shaped to have fenders and hood, and that's what they're getting at. So in nineteen ninety, correct me if I'm wrong here, nineteen ninety eight. Ford comes out with the complete redesign. 97. 97. The ugliest pickup ever made. Completely redesigned Super Super Duty. 99. Is that 99? Yes. Okay. With the, with the window cut out. Right. Yep. So it very much looked like an international cab in a little ways. Eh, I would say it looked more like, like a, because we already mentioned them, I think it looks more like a Kenworth. Kenworth is the semi that has that dip in the door. So what, what did the Dodge have? On the hood, how was their hood design look like? What was it look like? It was that kind of like that. Here's your light, and then the middle of the hood raises up. Right. Cross. What did the Super Duty come out with in '99? Same thing. Same damn thing. Yeah. It was the cat's meow. Right. Everyone that I, I growing up, all these people like Dodge pickups suck, and then all of a sudden they come out with Walker Texas Ranger edition, and all of a sudden, boom! Oh my, these Dodges are great. Yeah. You know, people that. Have only owned Ford or only owned Chevy. Yeah. Bought that style of pickup. Yeah. It was so different. Right. Completely different than anything else that was out there. It was a standalone, 
kind of like a is a hardy truck. Almost brought you back to the uh, what was that the 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 what was that TV show in the eighties that the guy had the private investigators had to fucking had the uh, Simon and Simon Simon and Simon with the red dog the power red wagon yes the macho it kind of brought, yes. kind of brought back absolutely like, standalone differentiator yes. thing hell yeah it was like a different it was different than everything else that was out there yep and that that was where because not that the Chevy GMC Ford looked alike but there was they resembled each other in a lot of ways they they weren't. Well, they weren't they, like they had a solid front clip versus different right. parts. Right. So never was, been done. It was it was a that was a that was a big leap forward. In too bad they waited. I mean, they probably could have done something with the K car. Oh, made it, the K car and made it. My made God, it the K car, man! <laughs> and every every military movie ever made in the eighties that was a that was a. That was somebody a, blew up a somebody K blew car. Up a K car. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. yeah, Plymouth Reliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the greatest. My heart is so warm right now. The greatest part of this whole thing. You mentioned Simon and Simon's pickup, which is the most undersung of all movie and TV vehicles. Uh-huh. It's the most undersung by far. Because it's a badass Dodge Macho. It's a Macho package power wagon, right? And people just forget it. Just because Gerald McCraney was the one driving it. That's like, true. don't discount that. I realize he's not Colt Seaver. Right. I realize he's not Fall Guy. But don't discount that Dodge Macho pickup. But growing up, growing up, when I was growing up, the USA Network just kind of got launched. And that, I remember there was a show on there called Perry and Perry. Okay. And the reason I like Perry and Perry so much is that they're private investigators. And I can't remember exactly the whole theme of the show. But they had an old school World War Two helicopter that had like 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 a shark grill like thing. oh no and shit was, and it was my favorite show as a kid growing up hell yeah because here's how every episode ended the helicopter would come flying through there and somebody would get picked up in something because that was what the helicopter right. was designed for and it might be in a car it might be in a truck it might be in just some like random box so, oh look here comes the helicopter I got a rope happened to be tied to this box and throw it up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was my one of my favorite shows growing up. That is fantastic, outstanding. So hats off to Dodge. Yeah, hats off to Dodge for the throwback segment today. That's right. All right. Well, Aaron, good stuff here. If folks want to get back to your Aaron Fintel Fintel deal deal of the week, Woo! how do you find that? I'm pretty active on the Ag Twitter at aa ron fintel. Or uh, call me, text me, 308-760-1193. Great. And I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, check me out on movingironllc.com. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast blogs and all the information for the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. Why do you like going to that, Aaron? What, what's the big thing for you? Networking. Okay. Networking. Swapping industry ideas. Right. Getting with other dealers, seeing what's going on. Yeah. Putting a face to a name. Yeah. The the right. biggest thing by far is face to a name. Right. Right on. Okay. So if you were going to recommend that, would you highly recommend the Movie Nine Summit to, to people? That I would know? recommend it probably a couple notches above their honeymoon. Okay. Oh, there you go. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. My honeymoon was a great time. So oh, 
There you go. Your honeymoons were probably a good time, weren't they? Ooh, snap! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right no, that's why I have plural. <laughs> right on. So, with that, I am Casey Seymour, and this is my buddy, Aaron Fennell. Let's go with iron, folks. Out. Moving higher in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving